Good morning. It's a beautiful Sunday in the Old Pueblo, and you're listening to KTDT Tucson. Thanks for spending a part of your Christmas Eve with us on your downtown Tucson community-sponsored, all-volunteer-powered rock and roll radio station. This week, we're going to do a little different, a year-end review as we talk through some of the episodes we featured earlier in 2023. Today is December 24th, 2023. My name is Tom Heath, and you're listening to Life Along the Streetcar, where each and every Sunday our focus is on social, cultural, and economic impacts in Tucson's urban core, and we shed light on hidden gems everyone should know about. From A Mountain to the University of Arizona and all stops in between, you get the inside track right here on 99.1 FM, streaming on downtownradio.org, also available on our uh, Androids and iPhones with our very own Downtown Radio Tucson app. And if you want to get more information about the show, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram, and we also invite you to our website if you want to check out past episodes, learn more about the book, or contact us with that button right there. And uh, we invite you to listen to the Life Along the Streetcar podcast, most places where you find your favorite podcasts. Well, we're in our sixth, seventh year at this point. I don't know. It's been a while. And uh, we've never done a a year-end wrap-up because um, I found out it's hard. And I like to do things that are hard. But this year, I thought, you know what? Gosh darn it, we're going to do it. So uh, I went back through and listened to the episodes throughout the year, pulled out clips from some of the... um, uh, more poignant ones, and uh, we're going to do a uh, a year-end wrap-up, two parts today and next week to celebrate the holiday season, and kind of dividing them up. Today, we're going to talk about music, food, drink, uh, and next week, we'll get more into community and uh, some of the influencers, and uh, I, I hope you enjoy it. it, it I, I got to tell you, it was really hard to take a, uh, a long interview and break it down into just do a couple of minutes, so... Bear with me. Hope it hope it works out, and, and we have a little fun with it. And we're going to start off with uh, Brian Laidlaw. He's a musician out of Colorado. He had recently um, released an album called Silently Loud, um, and it's um, featuring lyrics of non-speaking artists throughout the nation. And there were two from Tucson, Joshua Griner and Alton Grubbs, that were involved with that. So we had Brian on his show. So he came down to Tucson to perform. He was doing it at the Poetry Center. We had both Tyler uh, Meyer from the Poetry Center and Brian Laidlaw. But uh, for the year on wrap-up, no offense, Tyler, but we're just going to feature um, Brian Laidlaw, his music, his start, and, and kind of more about Silently Loud. I'm uh, currently living in Moab, Utah. Um, grew up on the West Coast. I lived in Minneapolis for a while and then um, did a PhD at University of Denver. Um, I started out as a poet primarily, um, you know, writing uh writing in traditional verse forms and studying the history of poetry, um, and then sort of gradually transitioned into um, being a songwriter, also using some of the same ideas of um, repetition and rhyme and meter, um, but writing verses and choruses and setting some of my poems to music. And um, so spent a stint as a touring folk singer, songwriter, um, did a master's in poetry at the University of Minnesota, and then taught songwriting. Um, at a music college in St. Paul, Minnesota for a while. Okay. Um, and then 
uh, yeah, and then moved down to Denver, did the PhD also in creative writing and always kind of focusing on the relationship between poetry and music, essentially. And when, you, when you're talking about these artists, you mentioned Joshua Greiner here in Tucson, and then I think Alton Grubbs is another one from, mm-hmm. from the Arizona area. When they're collaborating with you on the music, is it, are you putting to music a poem that they've written? Are you working together collaboratively? Are they writing the music? Or how, how is this relationship kind of coming together? Yeah, that's a great question. The The process is really amazing, um, and it's different with every student, and it's different with every song um, or poem. But basically, um, it's entirely their language. Um, and, and for folks who aren't familiar with the way that this goes, uh, these writers are uh, often working on a letter board, which is like a, a laminated um, you know, piece of piece of cardboard that has um, the letters of the alphabet on it and some punctuation and numbers as well. Um, and so they're spelling out the words that they want to have included um, in the in the text. Um, and really, with both Joshua and Alton, they're they're fully capable of banging out these incredible verses totally on their own. They have awesome sense of rhyme and meter. Um, they're they're like directing, uh, you know what things are going to repeat and what the sort of sequence of verses and choruses is going to be. Um, and then uh, I have I then get to ask, you know, once we have the complete set of lyrics, um, what kind of music direction they want to see it take. And sometimes it'll be, um, you know, I want it to be a, a fast country song or I want it to be a, a slow <laughs> ballad or, um, you know, or, or sometimes, I mean, uh, Alton in particular gives these really incredible um, sort of more impressionistic, atmospheric kinds of music direction. I think once he said, I want it to sound like a moose covered in frost or I want it to sound <laughs> like, um, you know, uh, I had another student say, like, I want it to sound like bird wings flapping, um, you know, so, so sometimes using the sort of conventional language of, of describing music, you know, down-tempo, blues song or whatever, um, but also sometimes really talking about, like, the, the feeling or the sensation of it. Um, and so I feel like the luckiest person in the world to be getting uh, to see these incredible texts take shape and then, um, you know, being entrusted essentially with the, the performance of these tunes. Um, and really, I, you know, I see my goal is just trying to get the, the end version of the melody and the presentation to be as close as possible to whatever it is that's in the student's mind when they're when they're writing the text that was brian laidlaw from january of 2023 he was in town performing a concert celebrating the release of his uh, his album called silently loud featuring music by non-speakers uh you can uh, hear um uh you can hear that album on spotify and uh, two of the uh, artists who wrote for him we're Alton Grubbs and uh, Joshua Greiner from here in Tucson. And staying on the music trend here, a little bit later on in the year, we talked to Sarah Miranda. She was a violin um, performer and uh, a teacher. She's at the University of Arizona, and she hailed from Costa Rica. So we met her and kind of wanted to find out that story about how do you get from Costa Rica to Tucson. And um, uh, just a really a, a delight of an interview uh, that we had with Sarah Miranda, and this is from episode 245 uh, that we did. Um, when was that? That was back in April of this year. My degree is a doc- uh, doctoral degree in music and arts, and my emphasis is violin performance. I am also doing a minor in cognitive science. Um, I 
I enjoy a lot of uh, interdisciplinary studies and um, I think that the intersection between cognitive science, you know, the science of learning is very important for, for, for all the fields, right? But for music, because um, we teach us as musicians, a lot of us teach as well. And that's one of my... Um, one of my jobs and one of my passions as well. So I wanted to dig a little bit deeper and uh, get a minor in cognitive science to kind of like expand my view on how the brain works uh, when we're learning music, which is fascinating. A professor were at a place where I auditioned, he suggested that I audition to the U of A. Um, Tim Cantor is the professor, the violin professor here. And, and he talked about him, you know, um, very, very well. So I sent an application here. It was not among my first options because I didn't know this program. And at the same time, once I knew about it, I was, I was surprised because, um, yeah, I hadn't heard about it. There are so many programs in the U S so it's hard to know them all, Mm -hmm. but I applied and, and, uh, yeah, this was the, the option that suited uh, me better. So, I, I got here without ever, you know, being in Arizona before. So I didn't know to what I was coming. I didn't oh, wow. know wow. anything. So you, but it was a beautiful surprise. So you get, so your path is Costa Rica, Tennessee, Missouri, and then, uh, and then Tucson and, and maybe a few stops in between. That's, you, you've seen quite a cross section of, of our country by, by those travels. Yeah. I mean, um, I, I love traveling and, and in other uh, opportunities. I got to go to the East coast and, you know, do a road trip there, like from South to North and also the Midwest during the spring breaks, I got to, to know the country a little bit better, but I had never been on this side of the country, uh, Southwest or even the West. So it was, it was a very beautiful surprise for sure. I, I have had a, a beautiful time here. That's Sarah Miranda back in April of uh, this year, 2023, talking about her journey from Costa Rica to the University of Arizona. And uh, the interview talks much more about her performance as a a violin player and uh, things that she is learning and how the brain works and learns and and how music plays into that. And our last conversation about music uh, on our year-end wrap-up is with Elaine Russo. She is with the Arizona, the Friends of the Arizona Chamber Music, and uh, we got a, a little taste of what chamber music is and uh, how this uh, volunteer-run or- organization impacts that here within Tucson. The, the interview was about a, uh, a concert uh, that was being done uh, in support of the effort uh, uh, to raise money for Ukraine. And it was done by a Ukrainian performer here in Tucson that was playing music that hadn't previously been, that he hadn't previously performed from Ukrainian composers. Uh, but this section of the interview really features more about on the overall impact of chamber music and uh, and the organization to the Arizona Friends of Chamber Music. This is Elaine Russo. Can you explain to me what chamber music is and how that differentiates from like uh, orchestra? Oh, I'd be happy to. Yes, um, in the hundreds of years, many years ago, um, there were not huge concert halls, and so the way music was heard was live in small group presentations. So they'd be like solos or duets or trios or, you know, quartet, something of that sort, typically in a composer's home. 
For example, Schubert, who's one of my favorite composers, had what were called Schubertiads in his home. And he would invite friends over and play his new compositions or, you know, other music of the time. So that was how music was shared originally before we had large concert halls like we have today. Arizona Friends of Chamber Music prides ourselves on is that we bring world-class musicians to Tucson. So the Wednesday night concerts are just absolutely phenomenal. And then we also have a series called Piano and Friends. And those concerts are on a Sunday afternoon at three o'clock. And they feature young upcoming artists who are just beginning to become known in the world, if you will. Many years back before Long Long became known to worldwide, he was one of our performers at the um, Piano and Friends concerts. That was Elaine Russo. She was uh, our guest um, talking about the Arizona uh, Friends of Chamber Music. That was episode 259. Um, and that, that aired back in uh, August of 2023. If you're just joining us, we're doing a year-end review today, uh, being Christmas Eve and next week being New Year's Eve. We are focusing on stories throughout the year. We broke them into different categories, and today we're really hitting on music. And when we get back from the break, we're going to talk about things that are more um, food and beverage-oriented, yum, but first, I want to remind you that you're listening to Life Along the Streetcar on Downtown Radio, 99.1 FM and streaming on downtownradio.org. This podcast is sponsored by the Mortgage Guidance Group and Nova Home Loans. If you enjoyed this podcast, keep listening or head over to lifealongthestreetcar.org for all of our past episodes, current events, and things to do while visiting Tucson. Tom Heath, NMLS number 182420. Nova, NMLS number 3087, VK number 0902429, Equal Housing Opportunity. All right, we are back to talk about food and beverage stories we covered in 2023. Uh, and again, all these stories are on our website, lifealongthestreetcar.org, and get all the, the full interviews. These are just little snippets of uh, some of the interesting people. And we're going to start off with the uh, the head brewer over at Borderlands, not just because their beer is great, but because they're also doing a lot of expansion and uh, moving into different venues. And they support um, this this city of gastronomy concept of of uh, using our local ingredients for, uh, for their products. So this is our interview with the head brewer, uh, Ayla Kapai. This is Back from uh, uh, August of, of this year, episode two fifty seven. My real title is the beer chick that gets stuff done. Okay. For the brewery, but yes, but but you're right. Um, head brewer and director of production operations. Uh, basically, that means anything that has to do with Borderlands beer production is my responsibility. And how side it? Because you're building out some tap room concepts. Are those built out yet? Or are you still working on those? In the process. So we, of course, have our original downtown taproom location. The Sam Hughes location is the newest one that's currently opened. It opened in January of this year. That's located at Tucson and 6th Street. It's actually where the old PJ Subs location used to be. So that place is open and thriving. It's a partnership with Chef Maria Maison Mm -hmm. from Boca Tacos. And the next concept, Dose, is opening on... River and Craycroft area in that Whole Foods parking lot. That's another partnership with Maria Mazon. Tentative date of opening, about two months. We're hoping for mid-September. Okay. And since the show is recorded, we're going to tell you what date it is now because two months in this world could be 
anything, especially in Tucson, who knows where things happen. I went to your, uh, your location on, uh, the old, on sixth and uh, Tucson, not too long ago. And I did not realize until after I left that it was a partnership and the, the, the beverages were delicious, but the food was just r- unbelievable. And it was such a, it's a small menu, but it's just executed so well. We're so grateful. We have been wanting to work with Chef Maria for years, and it took us a long time to figure out what kind of a partnership we could make happen. I wholeheartedly agree. I purposely like to have my uh, lunch meetings there so then I can leave my beer cave and say, oh, it's lunchtime. I guess I have to eat something. I guess I have to. I guess I have to have some delicious Maria food. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then Dose will open. And so you've got then the original location, Sam Hughes, partnership in Voltron, Dose. That's that's a lot. Yeah, there's another one, too. Oh, can you tell us? Is that a teaser? Or is it just like you're going to have to tune in next year for that? For that nah, uh, I think there's already press or something about it. Um, within a year, we're opening Sonora Moonshine Company, and that's primarily going to be an agave and tequila uh, mezcal bar. Interesting. Where, yes. where you have a location for that? Yes. Off of Broadway and... She's, point, she's pointing, pointing to give directions, which is horrible it's, on the radio. It's, but it, it is. It's yeah. terrible. The listeners are like, what is going on it's, here? It's that away. Do you, I mean, so it's, is it downtown area? Is it? It is downtown, relatively close to the Thunder Canyon location. I am very excited to brew agave inspired beers mm. with it. So it would be great to use cactus and roasted cactus in our beers. And that was something else. I, I think I read this in either that article to some foodie or something else, but you, you're also using a lot of native um, grains and you're, you're focusing on the region. That's right. We, we brew beers that are inspired by our southwestern landscape and deserts. So that is why we ha- our prickly pear wheat is so successful. We use an organic and local prickly pear uh, provider here to produce that. We are working with local grains, Sonora White Wheat at BKW Farms, which is located in Mariana. And we try as much as possible to source local ingredients when we can, because we really believe that our beer should reflect the flavors that we celebrate here. That is uh, Ayla Kapai. She is the head brewer over at Borderlands. And uh, this is episode number 257, which actually aired July 23rd. I think you said August in the intro, but uh, July 23rd. And what is a good beer without a good burger? So we're going to move over to our interview with the uh, one and only Lindy who brought his Thunder Bacon Burger into the downtown location where uh, the donut bar has been. All the places I've cooked in in my career, I just, I enjoy, you know, doing burgers. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's, I enjoy having fun with them. I like pushing, you know, the boundaries with them, different flavors, flavors that probably shouldn't work. So it's, uh, it's, it's kind of where my happy place is. So, well, before you left the uh, uh, Thunder Bacon, I think the last location before you came downtown, the the, the burger I had there was the uh, the slider, and it was an actual slider inside of the Inception Burger. Yeah. That's actually on the menu now. Okay, that yeah. was fantastic. So it's a slider inside a one of our. I mean, a burger inside of a burger. <laughs> yeah, I'm so happy. <laughs> I was. I've been wanting to do that one for a long time, and. Uh, if we were actually goofing off in the kitchen one day and, and I was like, this is going to work. It's kind of cool. So yeah, it, it, it definitely worked. And then, you know, it's from my experience being in Tucson, you've always been associated with, with fourth Avenue. In fact, I think 
well, I remember reading somewhere, weren't you a bouncer or something or a doorman or something? I, like? I worked the door and I bar back at Chase Lounge. Okay. For yes. Many years. And then you, that was before you got into your own sort of. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So you've always been associated with down with uh, fourth Avenue in my mind. Right. And then I read this article in the paper that, you know, you and the donut bar are coming together with some kind of crazy concoction and you're moving downtown. Yeah. What, what, uh, what got you off fourth Avenue? Uh, honestly. So I love the Ave. Um, the end of the Avenue I was on, um, was definitely a, a quieter end. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were actually building really well, like towards, uh, we we're starting to build up and, uh, I don't know. There's something about being downtown that I like uh-huh. uh, a lot of, you know, people that I know that own businesses down here and uh, places that I love to eat are down here. Um, and I just feel I feel if you really want to come down somewhere and just kind of walk around and get a little bit of everything that's probably Tucson, this is a great area right here. Not to, but I'm naming this episode Thunder and Icing. So, I love it. So, <laughs> feel free to take that. I'm and, still trying to figure out how to get the icing to stay in a thunderbolt shape on some of our donuts. So. <laughs> uh, I know you're busy and I appreciate you coming out and supporting. I appreciate what you do in the community and you know, you just, everyone that I've talked to and this is the first time we met, but everyone I've talked to and what I've seen on social media, you just have a genuine kindness about you and people love talking about you and, and like what you're doing for Tucson and you know, not just putting us on the map because you put us on a TV show a few years ago, but you're, you're pouring your heart and soul into this. And we, we really recognize that. I appreciate it. I just like doing what I do. And, you know, uh, honestly, there's, there's a lot of really good burgers in this town, people mm-hmm. doing it right. And I absolutely love that. I just like being a part of it. So it's, it's, you know, this year, uh, I think with Thunder Bacon, I took more of a interest in doing what I do, like with, you know, the baking of the buns and the grind of the meat this time and the type of burgers we're doing instead of like just really trying to push something that was, you know, uh, if we win some awards, great. If not, then I'm just happy getting up and doing this thing, you know. That is Lindy Riley. His name is synonymous with burgers here in, in Tucson. And we had the, uh, the pleasure of sitting down with him uh, a little bit earlier in the year in August. Well, we've talked about burgers, we've talked about beer, and now we're going to bring that all together with the uh, concept from Iron John's Monkey Burger and Juniper, which has the burgers, the beers, and the newest gin bar in downtown. Uh, this is our uh, interview with uh, from September with Stuart and, uh, and uh, Kellner, who are the, the driving forces behind the new Juniper Bar, which opened in uh, September of this year. Yeah. So, uh, Iron John's and, um, monkey burger came together in early 2020. Um, we chose to try and bring, you know, the burger concept I had with monkey burger and the great beer that Iron John's had to create something new and, uh, have it all just go underneath the Iron John's, you know, kind of umbrella. And in doing that, we've ended up with, you know, a couple of different projects, remodels. So they are, our, old monkey burger location on uh, Broadway and Craycroft is going to be opening hopefully in the next few months at monkey burger. So in addition to that, you've got the tap room uh, on 18th, which is a, a, a pretty huge facility that you're still operating out of there, correct? Yes. Yes. That's operating just as a beer tap room right now. Our goal is to turn that into our full brewery operation and um, into a restaurant there as well. Hopefully sometime 
middle of next year. If you guys don't rest much over there, you're always rebuilding something. You know, as we air this, we are a day or two away from the grand opening of uh, the Juniper Bar, which is um, a former tap room that Iron John's had that they've converted. So I think the team that we have at Iron John's really does enjoy the project side of things, but we definitely look forward to being operational and uh, having, you know, getting back to what you call the normal day-to-day of, you know, operating a restaurant and brewery and, you know, and we're really looking forward to the awesome beverage program that Kellner's put together for us over at Juniper and how exciting that is for our portfolio as well. Uh, the, the tap room that's on Congress in between 5th and 6th, uh, it, it was clo- it closed as uh, Iron John's earlier in August and uh, is reopening uh, September 1 as Juniper. And, and Kellner, you're the you're the brains behind these fabulous drinks I'm seeing on, uh, on, on Facebook? That's, that's nice of you to say. I don't know if I'm the brains behind it, but I am, uh, I am doing it. Yeah, we, we really wanted to take advantage of what we saw as a nice opportunity in the Tucson market to do something that was gin-focused. Tucson has seen so many different amazing places choose a specific focus in the last five or six years, and nobody had done gin yet. So that's what we decided would be our niche for the ton- for the Congress taproom. And I understand it's gin focused, but not gin exclusive, right? You're you're offering you're still going to have the Iron John's beer and things on tap. We'll have yes. the Iron John's beer on tap, and we'll also have full bar capacity to to produce any classic cocktail with any spirit. But okay. They're the major focus on gin. So we have a gin portfolio right now that is composed of more than 50 different gins from 16 different countries. So it's certainly the largest gin portfolio in Arizona that I know of. Wow. And we worked very closely with several different distributors to put that portfolio together to find interesting bottles and certainly tasted our fair share of gin to put that together. Is gin your background or are you overall like a a cocktail expert in and in crafting different cocktails, or is gin kind of like a driving force for you? Gin has been something that I've been really interested in in the last few years because I found a trend traveling outside of the United States, uh, a, a, a gin tonic trend, lots of gin tonic focused bars. And the tradition there is focused on that, that Copa Ballon glass. It's like a big, giant Merlot-shaped, almost looks like a wine glass, but a photo doesn't do it justice. It's almost a 30-ounce capacity in that bowl. And what that allows you to do is it allows you to add all sorts of fresh and dried botanicals to a gin tonic that takes that gin tonic from an everyday experience that you might be used to in a normal bar that you would go to anywhere to something that's a real broad uh, and varied experience that can uh, they can, they can include all kinds of fresh ingredients that you would usually find in a high-class cocktail bar, but repurposed specific, specifically to the gin tonic. And that's just something that I hadn't seen come this way yet. And so that is another thing that we decided to make the primary focus of this bar. It's big, it's fresh, it's beautiful, it's a great aromatic experience as well as a tasting experience, and you get to have that enormous Copa Ballon glass in your hand. 
That's Kellner Brown, and he was joined earlier by Stuart Lauer. Uh, they are the forces behind Tucson's gin bar called Juniper down on Congress. And that's going to wrap up our year-end review when it comes to food, beverage, and music, highlighting some of the shows, but certainly not all of them that we uh, we discussed throughout the year. Uh, kind of sad I didn't get a chance to get Ray Ray Sonoran Tea in there. That's another great story that we did earlier in the year. But you can listen to that on our website. Uh, it is uh, lifelongstreetcar.org. And hope you can check out those stories if you liked them and then also any others you want to look at throughout uh, the year. And then the last show of 2023 will be focused on art and culture as we uh, highlight some of the features from 2023 that impacted uh, those areas of our community. Well, tomorrow is uh, Christmas, and for those celebrating, Merry Christmas. For those of you not, I just wish you a very happy and safe day. And I want to thank, of course, Ryan Hood for the privilege of using their music at the beginning of the show. And we're going to leave you with a a little uh, treat here today. This is a a song from um, uh, Joseph Washington Jr. Kind of sums up (laughs) the holiday spirit for many of us. It was uh, back in uh, 2016. The story is called Shopping. My name's Tom Heath. I hope you have a great week and tune in next Sunday for more life along the streetcar. I'm going shopping, shopping.